All right, so this chapter, when I first seen that it was in the Four Donations book, I was like, why? <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, oh, I totally get it now. This was an, an interesting one, talking about Levi Savage and Ephraim Hanks, which I don't know. I, I still kind of conflate the two. I kind of put them into <laughs> one and the same person. I, I have a hard time telling which story is which. But so if I mess up, just correct me. We're, we're all good. <clears throat> but um, some of the interesting patterns that come uh, from stories of, of rescuing and the the miraculous deliverance that that occurs and the, the preparation and and power that that these uh, people have, I think, is very uh, worthy of of study and, and emulation. Um, where is it? On page uh, three forty five. If you happen to have the, a book or or looking online at the the PDF, there it says, after the rescue, future lifeguards may study the event and analyze each decision to give them a better understanding of the risks. So if they are faced with similar situations in the future, they may realize a better outcome. And so um, I, I find that very interesting as we look at some of these lifeguards uh, that have been called in the past um, and how we may likewise study and, and become um, better lifeguards as we um, prepare for the, the second coming and all of these, these missions that we need to go on, et cetera. Anyway, just kind of different thoughts from, from people as, as they've read through this. Like, what are your initial um, thoughts or, or topics that you'd like, to, or questions that, that came up from this that you'd like to discuss? If not, we'll, we'll kind of dive in, but just kind of opening that up. Um, let's like dive in kind of to, to one of the, the meteor stories here. So on page, um, where does it start? 347 through 350. Um, it talks about Ephraim Hanks. And I, <laughs> I'm really bad. I haven't watched all the movies. I need to uh, buckle down and, and watch those. My mom keeps saying, well, if you watch the movie, you'd get it. <laughs> but um I, I found this story very interesting there's lots of symbolic elements there's lots of preparation and, and things to learn from um so yeah let's let's just read this together because I think so if anybody hasn't uh, had time to, to listen to this or, or read it that we're all kind of on the same page here um but kind of leading up to it um Ephraim Hanks leaves um, Salt Lake uh, to, to go ahead and, and save um, uh, th this company, the, the Martin Hand Cart Company. Um, and he, he says that he had never experienced a worse storm before or since. And so um, the author here says, only by quoting his own words can we best see how Ephraim was guided by the Spirit to fulfill a prophecy made by a brother in the Martin Handcart Company to effectively raise a brother from the dead and administer the saving ordinances of healing to revive many in the company. So just kind of by show of hands, who has uh, the PDF in front of them or can read um, that would be willing? We've got a few different paragraphs, probably read like three paragraphs each or something that we could do. <laughs> right, Mother my. All right, so um, I'm just gonna kind of read the, the first three and then mother, you wanna take the, the next uh, two or three and we'll just kind of pop back and forth. Three what, like paragraphs? paragraphs. Yeah, okay. so on page 347. Okay, uh, I camped. Uh-huh, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start there and then we'll, we'll kind of pick up. Okay. So it says, I camped in the snow in the mountains as I was preparing to make a bed in the snow with a few articles it, my pack animal carried for me, I thought how comfortable a buffalo robe would be on such an occasion, and also how I could relish a little buffalo meat for supper. And before lying down for the night, I was instinctively led to ask the Lord to send me a buffalo. Now, I am a firm believer in the efficacy of prayer, for I have on many occasions asked the Lord for blessings, which he in his mercy bestowed on me. But when 
I, after praying, as I did on that lonely night in the South Pass, looked around me and spied a buffalo bull within 50 yards of my camp, my surprise was complete. I had certainly not expected so immediate an answer to my prayer. However, I soon collected myself and was not a loss to know what to do. Taking deliberate aim at the animal, my first shot brought him down. He made a few jumps only and then rolled down into the very hollow where I was encamped. I was soon busily engaged skinning my game, finishing which I spread the hide on the snow and placed my bed upon it. I next prepared supper, eating tongue and other choice parts of the animal I had killed to my heart's content. After this, I enjoyed a refreshing night's sleep while my horses were browsing on the sagebrush. So I find that that's an interesting kind of uh, introductory story here. Like, okay, he's on his way to, to, to save these people, and it's this worst snowstorm kind of thing. And he's like, huh, it'd be so awesome to have a buffalo right now. But like, why is the Lord instructing him, instinctively leading him to ask for a buffalo to, to realize it? Like, how is this in preparation for raising the dead uh, later on down the road? Like, what lessons can we learn from this simple little buffalo story here? Any thoughts? The first thing that came to my mind was, like, uh, visualizing something first how important that is in making it happen you know where did we learn that principle was it in for ordinations about the visualizing that's what i was thinking that was from earlier and i've i've found that to be very true in my own life it, like i visualize things first and then a lot of times that'll it'll happen and so I think that that plays into it somewhat, the visualizing there. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, you know, th then he asked for the buffalo. And it's so interesting how this buffalo just shows up and he, he shoots it and it rolls down where he doesn't even have to work for it. You know, it's right there. He doesn't have to pack it and and like gut it out and everything and then pack it. I mean, it's just rolled right there where it's so easy for him and he doesn't have to deal with the, the storms in getting it. You know, I just, those two things stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that, um, why, why the need for a buffalo in the first place like if he's going out to rescue people shouldn't he have brought <laughs> you know adequate supplies like whatever he needed and, and wanted kind of thing it's interesting that he is in a not the same but in a similar plight of um oh this would be excellent because i you know i i would love to uh, step upon this kind of thing um versus you know, the, the Willie Hancock company who is like nigh unto death because of their choices of, of going out and, and not necessarily bringing um, the, the adequate or the uh, running out of supplies kind of thing, you know, like um, how choices and uh, affect the, the course of what they're experiencing. And yet the Lord is willing to bless in, in both circumstances very handily. Right. And so he's just here by himself, but I think it's also a you know, training wheels, but like um, building up his faith uh, along the journey so that he can have the the even greater faith to to raise the dead when um, that, that comes a little bit later on. It, you know, it kind of, there's uh, preparatory miracles in, in order to, to build up to the, to the other one. I found that also kind of an interesting point there. And it's also interesting that the first thought he had was it would be nice to have this, um, the hide thing to keep warm, you know? Yeah. And so it wasn't just about the meat. It was about, but I think he was feeling some empathy towards what these people are dealing with. Anyway, he's going through this kind of, and so he ends up having this supply of meat, you know, as he goes in to rescue him mm -hmm. and stuff. But 
Yeah, kind of the the balance between needs versus wants. Like the Willie Hancock company need these things. And he's like, oh, I was thinking how comfortable it would be or, you know, how I would relish a, a little buffalo meat for supper kind of a thing. I mean, these are definitely wants. Like he could have survived and he could have made it there kind of thing. But anyway, just there's a lot of little intricacies here that I think can be applied to our own life as we are experiencing our our wants as we are on our way to deliver people their needs kind of a thing um and then do you want to take the next three paragraphs there is it early the next morning uh-huh. early the next morning i was on my way again and soon reached what is known as the ice springs bench there I happened upon a herd of buffalo and killed a nice cow, and I was impressed to do this. Although I did not know why until a few hours later, but the thought occurred to me, to my mind, that the hand of the Lord was in it, as it was a rare thing to find buffalo herds around the, that place at this late part of the season. I skinned and dressed the cow, then cut up parts of its meat in long strips and loaded my horse with it. Thereupon, I resumed my journey and traveled on till towards evening. I think the sun was about an hour high in the west when I spied something in the distance that I looked that looked like a black streak in the snow. As I got near to it I perceived it moved then I was satisfied that this was the long looked for handcart company led, led by Captain Edward Martin I reached the ill-fated train just as the immigrants were camping for the night the sight that men that met my gaze as I entered this their camp came near never can never be erased from my memory the starved forms and haggard countenances of the poor sufferers as they moved about slowly shivering with cold to prepare their scanty evening meal was enough to touch the stoutest heart when they saw me coming they hailed me with joy inexpressibly inexpressible and when they further beheld the supply of fresh meat i brought into camp their gratitude knew no bounds flocking around me one would say oh please give me a small piece of meat another would exclaim my poor children are starving do give me a little and children with tears in their eyes would call out, give me some, give me some. At first, I tried to wait on them and handed out the meat as they called for it. But finally, I told them to help themselves. Five minutes later, both my horses had been released, released of their extra burden meat because it was all gone. And the next few hours found the people in camp busily engaged in cooking and eating with thankful hearts. <clears throat> um, just to kind of continue on with that story, a prophecy had been made by one of the brethren that the company should feast on buffalo meat when their provisions might run short. My arrival in the camp loaded with meat was the beginning of the fulfillment of that prediction but only the beginning for them as we journeyed along. When I saw a terrible condition of the immigrants on first entering their camp, my heart almost melted within me. I rose up in my saddle and tried to speak cheering and comforting words to them. I told them also that they should all have the privilege to ride into Salt Lake City as more teams were coming. After dark on the evening of my arrival in the handcart camp, a woman passed the campfire where I was sitting crying aloud, wondering what was the matter my natural impulse led me to follow her. She went straight to Daniel Tyler's wagon, where she told the heart-rending story of her husband being at the point of death 
And in pleading tones, she asked Elder Tyler to come in and administer to him. This good brother, tired and weary as he was after pulling handcarts all day, had just retired for the night and was a little reluctant in getting up. But on the earnest solicitation, he soon arose, and we both followed the woman to the tent in which we found the apparently lifeless form of her husband. On seeing him, Elder Tyler remarked, I cannot administer to a dead man. Brother Tyler requested me to stay and lay out the supposed dead brother while he returned to his wagon and seek the rest which he needed so much. I immediately stepped back to the campfire where several uh, of the brethren were sitting and addressed myself to elders Grant, Kimball, and one or two others. I said, will you boys do just as I tell you? The answer was in the affirmative. We then went to work and build a fire near the tent which I and Elder Tyler had just visited. Next, we warmed some water and washed the dying man, whose name was Blair, from head to foot. I then anointed him with consecrated oil over his whole body, after which we laid hands on him and commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ to breathe and live. <coughs> Take my breath away. <coughs> the effect was instantaneous. For the man who was dead, to all appearances, immediately began to breathe, sat up in his bed, and commenced to sing a hymn. His wife, unable to control her feelings of joy and thankfulness, ran through the camp exclaiming, My husband was dead but is now alive. Praise be the name of God. The man who brought the buffalo meat has healed him. And then after that, he goes from tent to tent by the request of many to, to go and heal and, and bless and um, boy up uh, the others. So... Again, how does the buffalo pertain to this, and, and why do we have such preparations, and what can they teach us in our own uh, ministry of, of saving others and saving souls kind of thing? It's quite the interesting story, <laughs> to, to say the least. The things we're doing now to prepare and the things we're learning is part, I think, what's helping us like it did with Ephraim as he was in the Mormon battalion and he had to do so many very hard things. And uh, that's what really prepared him. He knew like through that time with the battalion that the cold had helped preserve that body a little bit better to be able to heal him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just had a wealth of knowledge on how to survive because he had He'd actually built a lot of that trail, you know, and and a knew he knew his surroundings. He knew where the animals were. He knew patterns and and the things that we're learning and the things that we know about healing herbs and all those kind of things, you know, that we're preparing for will help others. Mm -hmm. And then um, just the weariness of her immediate probably ministering brother. Elder Tyler, who he was just exhausted and he'd probably seen so many people die after so many blessings and that kind of a thing. Um, it was just refreshing to have Brother Ephraim come in and, you know, he was a mighty healer. You do need to watch all those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <Your> mama. <laughs> They're so good. They'll make you cry. They'll yeah. make me cry. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, you can't help but notice how prepared he was. Even starting there in Salt Lake, I mean, when they come out of the, the conference, the people, the other men, they had to prepare and get their wagons ready and the supplies ready and stuff. But Ephraim, he was ready right then with his horse and supplies, and he could head out ahead of the rest of the group which was life-saving, you know, mm -hmm. and, but he was prepared. And his horses couldn't have carried that many provisions up front for what they all needed. Mm -hmm. It said in the story, you know, how burdened his two horses were. He was riding one and packing another. So when he got the meat, he was probably walking with both of those horses mm -hmm. and they were loaded. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a buffalo in real <laughs> life, like how much meat and how huge they are. My brother-in-law and my dad have both gotten one and 
when you see how big just their feet are, they're huge. So, and they're mostly bone, but they do have a lot of meat on them. And those horses would have been burdened, barely able to go. And then all the people came and got the meat. And so he knew what to do. And, and he was very obedient and faithful. Mm -hmm. He acted quickly when the uh, Holy Ghost prompted him to, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I, he, he had already learned that principle of hearing him. Mm -hmm. He knew the Savior's yeah, right. voice and he acted on promptings. That's key. Now. Yeah. yeah. And like uh, another thing that pops into my head is like, you know, take no thought of purse or script kind of a thing, you know, like if you are prepared, you don't have to scramble at the last minute and stuff like there's such importance in filling your lamps with oil, you know, it, it's physical preparation, it's spiritual preparation, and he was just a well-rounded prepared guy. And so I find that very interesting when he comes to the point of, you know, I could be more comfortable right now with a, a buffalo kind of thing. And, you know, he's, he's fully prepared, um, but, um, you know, he probably didn't have time to think of, oh, all of the comforts that he needed along the way. He was just solely focused on, oh, I got to get there. I got to save these people, act on promptings, et cetera, and uh, how that, that plays in throughout the, the story there. But um, kind of transitioning over to the actual um, washing and anointing, like, over on page 351, the, the author of the book, uh, Robert Charlton, says, um, Ephraim led the brethren to administer in a most unusual way, and they obeyed. And I, <laughs> the first thing that, that hit me was, was it unusual? Because like washing, anointing, clothing, calling back from the dead, it, that's not actually that unusual. Like <laughs> these people had... Um, uh, you know, the, the saints in, in general had just come from the Nauvoo period, uh, received their, their washings and anointings before they come west and, and everything. Um, this seems like interesting to us, for sure, because we're, we're not uh, involved in that. But um, the initiatory back then was washed and anointed from head to toe, like fully. And so um, that they are basically performing a kind of an initiatory rite on um this Blair guy was very interesting to me um but also this group were late in coming so they probably missed the Nauvoo part with the temple mm -hmm. and everything they probably hadn't had their temple work you know that's a good point I haven't even thought of it like I need to, to research <laughs> the, the handcart companies. Like, did they uh, so miss out on them? So was Ephraim in tune enough to realize that? And so he's giving that to this gentleman? Uh-huh, because like, look at the powerful blessings of initiatory, especially to, to raise somebody from the dead. I mean, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Back on page 347, right before the story starts, um, uh, the phrase caught me when I was reading it just a second ago. It says to effectively raise a brother from the dead and administer the saving ordinances of healing. And uh, anyway, the ordinances always pops out to me, right? But like, oh, gotcha. So, I mean, there's the saving ordinances, uh, you know, of exaltation, but then there's also saving ordinances of healing. Um, and that's what we are administering. In, in lots of ways in, in our different missions here. Um, but anyway, washed, anointed, and, and clothes him, you know, as they're laying them out for burial. And, and, then, <laughs> and then telling him to breathe and live, which is very reminiscent of, of Adam, right? Awake, arise, breathe, like breath in the nostrils kind of a thing. Um, I think that this is all highly symbolic and uh, very interesting that, that Ephraim is, is performing this. <laughs> and then uh, his wife, you know, <laughs> the man who brought the buffalo meat killed him. Like she, I don't even know if she knew his name. Uh, this was all <laughs> kind of a, a interesting turn of events. But uh, like uh, Tracy was saying, you know, this, this brother Tyler, he's probably getting the, the short end of the stick, but I mean, he's, 
he's been on this trail. He's dejected. He's probably seen lots of different blessings, you know, come and go. Um, and it took kind of a, a fresh new pair of eyes and stuff. So taking this story and amplifying it or projecting it out into to the future, we have lots of different near-death experiences, you know, Spencer's vision, going on missions in the end time. Um, what does this look like? What does our preparation need to be in order to equal the miracles that we're seeing here in these stories? Um, you know, with Ephraim Hanks, uh, we, we can see uh, like Mormon battalion and uh, all of these different things. Uh, we can see him constantly filling his lamp and having it prepared so that he is not fearing or scrambling or, or doing anything last minute that we're we've got it we've mastered the the hear him principle and we're we're so in tune and quick to act upon these these promptings that uh, we're just led in in our missions kind of a thing i found it interesting that he's included the authors included this in this book this book is about translation I can't help but ask myself, was, was Ephraim translated? Was he a translated being? It's a very great question. Be a seraphim at this level. And if you go back to the, the one movie, it starts out and this lady, he didn't get there in time and she had died. And he goes through the same thing with her. I mean, he cleanses her and anoints her. I mean, it, it's, it's a process for him that he's learned and stuff. I'm just wondering if he isn't on this serpent level at this point. Could mm -hmm. be. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, that's a, the other interesting point here, because I haven't watched the movies, so I didn't know that there was that second uh, experience oh, there. I love them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Anytime that we see patterns, we should open our eyes, right? And so here he's raising Elder Blair by washing, anointing, and clothing. And then uh, this, this other lady, um, you know, doing the same thing, uh, cleansing and uh, going through that process. So if there's a pattern, there's typically a law or a divine law or a set of procedures in place in order to do this. And so um, one thing that, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to pull from Isaiah Dakota that we just barely covered in our Hey, Cameron, real quick. I have a question about Ephraim. Did, did, does anyone know if he ever ended up getting married? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. He just because was always the, riding down on his horse, healing everybody. Right. Well, in the movie, <laughs> it, it doesn't really tell us, like, the rest of the story. Like, I don't know if he just, like, kind of disappeared. <laughs> you know, like, I really, like, that's a, I've never, ever thought that that could have been the case but if you think about it how in tune he was with the lord you'd almost have to be like there was no really other there's no distractions for him and i think part of the translation process is you are no longer thinking about yourself it's like you really don't have and, and this isn't i don't mean this in like a negative way but you really don't have any real feeling from what i understand is there's really no feeling other than the feeling of doing the lord's will mm -hmm. and that that's how you're able to do the hard things is because you just don't you don't feel the sorrow you don't feel like the joy but you feel like these moments of like oh look what i was able to do because of this because i was able to listen and then he like i think the lord gives you these moments of like okay i you know this is this was exactly what I was supposed to do. I don't know. Those are just from what mm -hmm. I've talked to a few friends and stuff that maybe, maybe that was, maybe he was translated. Hmm. Go for that. Yeah. So I just, uh, Wikipedia Dean, <laughs> and uh, he actually had four wives and 26 children. Oh, well, he wasn't busy. <laughs> 26 <laughs> I, I, children? Yeah. Oh, I don't know exactly. Oh my gosh. I haven't looked up when those all happened or anything. Oh, just a second. It actually gives the marriage dates. When was this? Let's see, 1856. This is 1857-ish. Um, uh-huh. So um, he marries his first one in 1848. 
the next one in 1856. So this, uh, just before this experience, he already has two wives. And then um, 1862 is his third wife. And then um, his fourth wife, it doesn't say when they were married, but they never lived together and the union was dissolved in 1856. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> 26 children. I, I, man, <laughs> I, I don't even know how you, uh, you know, a lot of props to the early missionaries of the church, right? Leaving their, their families to, to be taken care of by the church as a whole and just going and, and not being weighed down, preoccupied, like homesick for your kids all the time and just getting to work kind of a thing. I, I think there's an interesting principle to also apply to it. But, you know, if he's translating, he can just pop back and forth, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot exactly where I was going, um, but I the Isaiah decoded uh, from this morning. Uh, it's talking about the son's servant level of the, the ladder, and it says their knowledge of what is required of them leads them to confidently perform their proxy roles. And so I, I found that very interesting because I posed that question to, to our group members. So how do we obtain this knowledge? How do we obtain the knowledge of what is required? How do we learn the divine laws in order to confidently perform them when, when it comes time to, um, you know, with, with Ephraim Hanks here, how did he know that washing and anointing and clothing were, were what is needed to bring somebody back from the dead? Um, uh, and, you know, what are these divine laws? How do we study them? How do we gain knowledge? Um, anyway, just kind of throwing that out because I think that's an interesting um, thing here. Um, you know, we have this book, the Four Donations book that helps us kind of uh, enlighten our minds to new ideas and, and principles of, oh, that's not talked about in Sunday school, but yet there are divine laws and, and things that are experienced or, or discovered by other people and they're passing on their knowledge of, of some of this but how do we do this in in a greater sense you know I like we feel such urgency to become you know these these translated people or just son servant level just helping and ministering and, and all of this how, how do we get there in a realistic day-to-day -day scenario because I, I find that very um difficult at least to start that journey um well you know, I I have a thought. Um, so I, I think most, we did Triumph of Zion, right? As a group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in the book, he talks, I mean, that's like a, that's like a step-by-step -step way to, to the translation. And his, his advice to all of us is to follow every prompting. Mm -hmm. That as we follow every prompting, we become one with the father and that I, I really believe that that is, that is the source of, of doing that. And so we pray and then we pray like, okay, so let's say we have a thought of, uh, I should pray for this thing today. And, and you pray for that guidance today. And, or I, you know, you have a feeling to, to help someone. I think it has everything to do with following the spirit every chance you can get and and you know you're going to make mistakes and that's okay because that's what with those mistakes we go oh wow that's not what I wanted you know and then you can try again and I think that I I, I believe that's how you do it and you just follow every prompting you're given and regardless of the consequence you know I mean you'd like to think and, and uh, one thing that I've been trying to do is to pray for discernment because I do think that Satan likes to take advantage of us when we're trying to follow the promptings but if we can pray for that discernment to know uh which ones are from our father then and usually the ones that are from our father are clear you know like they're not like oh I, that could hurt somebody you know kind of thing so those are my thoughts yeah. Awesome. I love that because that's definitely something that's popped into my head of like, 
we already know the pattern, just do it now and, and follow the promptings. And sometimes it's, it's a hard thing because life hits and you get busy and then you kind of fall out of the practice almost. And anyway, but yeah, always rehoning in on that and um, follow quickly and exactly with, with the promptings that we're given, I think is, is crucial. Thank you. Yeah, Leslie. Um, just right along the lines of what Sarah said. And <clears throat> I, um, I had journeyed to the veil too for a bit before I read it. Cause I, it was in, it was on deck. And so then I started when the, um, audio book came out, I, um, I was led to and not go in order, which surprised me. And I went to appendix two and that's this, you know, how, how do you get there? This was the bridge to me. And it was like, Oh, I get it. So in, in the book, it's not appendix two, it's just appendix. And it starts in the chapters called triumph of Zion. And it starts on page 216. And I've had so much enlightenment and understanding. It's like, oh, this is so simple. And I've been doing some of it, but it, it, I've just gained a vast amount of knowledge. Maybe vast is too strong a word, but a lot of knowledge in a really short amount of time because of um, what I've learned. And it just like, oh, does anybody else experience? Have they have read or listened to that part yet? I haven't I that. No, I started at the beginning. <laughs> I did. You don't even need to start in the beginning if you it's just like <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's it's amazing is overused, I think, but it really is amazing. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. So I know. I just want to like go to a retreat with everybody that's trying the exact same thing. Let's all focus on promptings that we are like, we're being the little nagging voice in, in the head 24 seven and like, Oh, remember, follow promptings. Remember, follow promptings. Cause like sometimes I'm just, I'm in construction and doing dumb stuff. And like, I don't know. I fall out of practice so easily and I, I want to be good, but like, I, I need like a crash course or like a, no. <laughs> you know that, a compacted time it'll do it for you appendix two that is the crash course yeah and not that long to listen to or read but it boy was it eye-opening it's like oh so i so i understand some of the things that i did before that it has everything to do with the veil and, and mm -hmm. the temple veil and right so much does and uh <clears throat> It's incredible. So yeah. I love it. Um, I, just an interesting side note. So like, you know, in follow the light of Christ into his presence, the, the little journal exercise that he has, you know, carry around a little pocket journal, write down every single prompting, no matter what, you know, get it written down and then write what the, the follow-up was. Did you follow through? What was the outcome, etc. Anyway, I found one that I did sometime in the past. I don't even know. It was the very first time I read the book. That's when I did it. Uh, I, it's not even dated, but anyway, I found it the other day and I looked at all of the silly promptings that I wrote down that day. And then I looked at what I did and what the outcome was. And I was like, Whoa, if they have that much power, the simple little promptings in our life, like I can now see over, it's at least been a year, like the trajectory of those simple promptings that day have led to, to massive changes in, in my life. You know, like the Uchtdorf, you know, the one degree change. Holy cow. I was like, I need to do that exercise a lot more often, like at least a good once a month. <laughs> Make sure that I, I go through and uh, do that. So yeah, I'm going to listen to appendix two, implement that one as well. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the appendix. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, hang on <laughs> sorry can you guys yeah. hear me okay. yep. in the book it's just called the pen well there's a <clears throat> I'm sorry in the book it's called Tri appendix and then the chapter is labeled triumph of Zion but in the book in the audio it is appendix 
one and appendix two. So you want appendix two in that yeah. one. The appendix one, I think it's called appendix one. I don't know. I, I is uh, it said appendix. It's not. It it's not. It just says. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It just says chapters, and it goes from one to a hundred and nine. On the in audio. Audiobook? Yeah, on Audible. It has opening credits, and then okay. they've changed that then because it. it yeah, wasn't... it's got to change because. On mine, like I haven't connected it to the internet and it still says appendix one and two. Okay. Um, this is Journey I, to the Veil? The second Journey one. Journey to the Veil number two. Oh, I don't, that one just came out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And oh, Herrick said, I read that. it was um, somehow, Herrick said that the, the um, oh yeah, he said that. The, the way that it, um, it's missing things and things are wrong. And um, Terry's super embarrassed. She was saying oh, that. She, no. <laughs> yeah, she feels really bad, and she kind of sounds like a robot in part of the, the audios that she was doing. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's um, she says. But, I mean, they've got it all fixed now, haven't they? Or are they still working on it? She said in the next few days it should come back up, but I that was yesterday, so I don't know. Um, and it might be already fixed, but. Regardless, so 10, I think, is missing everything, a whole bunch of stuff, chapter 10. So anyway, so appendix. What was, what's the difference between this one and his other one? Just more things that yep. he's written down? Mm -hmm. More journal entries, more <laughs> audio of it. And the oh, one that I'm talking about, the appendix two, it is a, it's actually in John's voice. And um it's a fireside that he gave back in 2009, and it's great. It was shortly before Triumph of Zion came out, maybe a few months before, something like that. So anyway, I was like, oh, there's the key. There's the key. So I, I needed it badly, and I think I heard it first time around, but it did it sink in no <laughs> I, I find that a lot i'll go back and read something like oh. wait what mm -hmm. <laughs> the student's like, ready <laughs> yeah um i'm listening to the the body keeps the score um uh, about physical manifestations ptsd all that kind of stuff right and um anyway it's just interesting how the lord curates our our curriculum our learning right and so i'm like oh my gosh, that relates to the Spiritual Physics of Light book. And oh my gosh, that relates to ham radio. Oh my gosh, that relates to here. This is Forward and Asians. This is Isaiah Decoded. It's like everything just like comes together when when the student's ready to learn. Like you said, what, student's ready. Okay, let's flood them with a fire hose because they're they're ready for this principle here. Um, and I, I back when uh we voted on uh chapter 27 i it might have even been me i can't even remember but i remember thinking why that chapter again like okay of all the chapters in four donations but uh, it really has been such a blessing to to be studying that and pondering on it this specific week with come follow me with um all of these other books that we're reading and stuff it's like yeah it, there's no happenstance in preparation when uh, the Lord is in charge, it all fits. Even though sometimes it might not seem like it right at first, it, it all comes together in, in a perfect uh, way. I, I, I just absolutely love it. Um, One thing he teaches in, <clears throat> in that um, fireside is, well, what I learned from it is sometimes I'm seeing this big picture of of translation and all these exciting things we want to help we want to be a part of the work but that's here and what do we need to ask at the veil for here and then here and then here, and, here. Mm -hmm. and i can see looking back it's like oh i did ask for this and i did receive this and then so not to put the cart before the horse which i can sometimes tend to do and just have confidence and faith that we will get here as long as we're just patient with ourselves and with other people and do, mm -hmm. do, do it step by step in the order that he has designed for us. Yeah. Cause I think that that was my biggest downfall right at the beginning of everything mm -hmm. 
like I did receive a sure witness that translation was possible for me personally and that I was to seek it. And so I'm just like, all right, then like <laughs> I'm going to study all about translation. That's, that's <laughs> it. That's my, my full on goal. I, I can't remember if it's this chapter somewhere in, in my reading, but like you don't just become a doctor overnight. Like you have to, to do this and then you have to be in your residency and then you have to be an attending, like all these things uh, before you can get there. But, but the Lord does in his, um, in our zeal and in his eagerness to bless us, give us the gift of prophecy to look forward and realize the end goal so that we can start progressing towards it rather than just going step by step in the dark. But okay, here's the end goal, but <laughs> don't worry about it. We're not going to be diving right into bodies right off the beginning. Start here, work, learn and grow kind of thing. I, I love that. Perfect principle. So like, um, starting with the sun servant level, um, we're taught by Jesus Christ himself. He likes to do the teaching. And that's why we can't teach our families and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's to be taught by the Savior. And I was thinking about Ephraim Hanks and stuff. We asked, like, how did he learn these things? Well, the Savior taught him. Mm -hmm. and but he didn't have like all these tools that we have with the, the these books you know uh journey to the veil and all this stuff but the lord knows how to work with each individual what's gonna work for them what's and available so and, and what year uh-huh so he took even hanks on that journey and he was able to learn what he needed to learn and how it was available and everything. We have our own way that we learn now. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Lord just knows how to teach each one of us. <laughs> That's like the biggest blessing ever right there. Like it is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah. Uh, I was, I've been thinking a lot about that lately and how available a lot of knowledge is um, to a lot of people, saints and people that are not uh, members of our church. And I think that I've, I've been thinking a lot about like what makes this time different from when Joseph Smith was trying to, or, you know, other generations that have tried to prepare to be lifted and, and then become these people who can be part of the, the 144 or, you know, fulfill their callings as miraculous individuals. And I, I do believe that what makes it different is that we do have so many people that like, like Ephraim's, right? Like think about if Ephraim had a pen and a paper at his disposal or like a computer that he could write down all of his thoughts and feelings without restraint, kind of like what john pontius has done and and i think that a lot of people would have benefited from from that knowledge and just like we have and and i think that through these recorded experiences that people feel so strongly to share and we feel so passionate about finding out about these things like i mean you think about your own individual lives and why why are you where you're at you know, like what have you, what has caused this like burning in your bosom to to find out these things and to desire things that seem almost alien, you know, to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that the, the saints have, like that we know that the scriptures talk about it and that those people experienced it, but but yet here we are thinking that we can and, and being so bold to believe it. And I think that that's exactly what we need to be able to to have the mass, like for him to have the masses discover and then become. And I think that what I'm finding is that it's so important that we are becoming and that we, even in, in affirmations and in thoughts that we are this thing, you know, that we're not trying like, oh, I'm trying to, and this is something I'm, I'm realizing just this month mm -hmm. is that 
this trying stuff has got to be put away. It has to be a become. Like I am this person now and that we need to, to step it up in the sense of we need to believe that we are this thing. And because we are, we will experience exactly what we need to experience and that we need to be open to truly being taught by the Lord himself and knowing that that might not be exactly what we ever always thought, including things that we've been taught in the church, because there are certain things that have been taught that are, that keep us from becoming. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, that gives me, I guess, a lot of encouragement that this really is the time. This is really, we are really the people. This is really the time and that we need, and I really appreciate what, I always forget your mom's name. Um, Darlene. Uh, yeah, Darlene. Yeah, that, that's such a sweet name. I should always remember that. But I, I love, I really appreciate what you said because I'm, I'm trying, I homeschool my kids. And so I'm, I'm constantly talking about certain things that most children don't hear about and telling my husband, like he just got back from a canoe trip where they camped every night on the sand. And I was like, are you excited to do that journey again with me? You know, I'm just teasing him. And, and I, I, I sometimes push a few things on him, but I really appreciate you reminding me that it is the Lord. And what I need to be doing is praying for opportunities that he can have where the Lord can touch his heart. And that I give, our home, a place where the spirit can be felt to have them experience those same nestling, those same, those same promptings, those same uh, things that this, the Lord can talk to each of us about. So thank you for reminding me that he's going to work on us and that it's not necessarily my job to push it, but it is my job to, to make it a place where the spirit can touch my family's hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Another one that. Oh, amen. Oh, I'm just. I wrote that. I wrote down what Darlene said. I quoted you, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna put that on my wall because you, we just want to shout from the rooftops, and and that's not necessarily the Lord's way. So thank you, Darlene. I agree with everything that Sarah. Was that you? Was it Sarah? Yeah. So that yeah, I agree yeah, with all that. Totally. Another thing I want to say is that we find that this transcends time periods and stuff. Um, it seems to be the same ladder that we're climbing and stuff. Um, the same that the early saints did, the same in the scriptures and stuff. Because now that we are getting uh, our own experiences and stuff, now we can recognize those in the pioneer stories. Oh, that's what's going on. We can, the same with the scriptures. Oh, that's what's going on. And we can recognize these things as we're learning them. Uh, anyway, so we have great company throughout the ages. Yeah. But it's, it's doable. They were just human beings too. And mm -hmm. it, this is doable. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm pulling a lot from Isaiah, sorry, but um, I mean, the, the other book club, um, we were talking about the, the male and female um, uh, roles within the sun-servant level, and um, it, it really just kind of uh, pulled the, the fact out of, uh, well, the example of President Nelson and uh, Dansel, who, his first wife, um, where uh, the, the woman helps support the man through his descent, and, and he, uh, in turn, also works for, for their protection and, and vice versa. Like, we all have these different roles, right? And um, the, the story came to mind because we had just barely talked about it, right, in our book of Nelson, where um, he lost uh, multiple kids from that same family, and he comes home and just breaks down and is like, I can't do this anymore. I will not perform another surgery. I will not do this kind of thing. And Dancel just supports him through his descent, lets him cry through the night kind of thing or whatever. And then she's like, okay, are you done crying? Cause you got to get back to work. You got to go do this. You can do this. Like <laughs> I, I'm here for you. I, 
there's a time to mourn, but then there's also a time to get to work. And so that, um, uh, like, like Sarah was talking about, you know, fostering that environment where other people can experience those things, um, because everybody has to go through their own learning curves. Agency is always going to be honored, right? And, and you can't just drag somebody to heaven, but yet fostering that environment and, and letting the Lord do his own teaching on his own timetable and uh, providing um, that is so essential uh, to, to the everything, the whole process. We see so many different times where people are, are very unevenly yoked and, uh, you know, they, they feel that burden of some must push and some must pull, but I'm always going up the hill, like I'm <laughs> dragging people along with me. But um, just fostering the environment and uh, performing sacrifices to, to rend people's uh, veils of unbelief kind of thing all along the way is, is a huge kind of paradigm shift uh, to me anyway. I found that very interesting. Um, how much we can see uh, in throughout time, it's been there all along, and we, we can see it in our, our modern leaders as well, how faithful they are in their roles uh, up the ladder. Um, anyway, anything else with the E from Hanks, Levi Savage, all of that um, chapter there? I mean, there's, there's a lot to it, um, but I kind of took it in a different direction where we actually like read some of the experience. Um, so it, it took up a little bit more of the time, but um, anyway, I think that he's just a, a great model of it. And uh, it really has opened my eyes to other models of it um, as I'm studying in the scriptures you know, we're, we're headed right into uh, some of the favorite chapters that come follow me. Um, we're talking about Davidic covenants and uh, what it looks like to become kings and queens um, uh, in the last days here. Uh, it's fun seeing the patterns all over the place. Um, so what would you guys like to study out of this book for next month? We've got a lot of different options. <laughs> this is a huge book. Um, some of the ones that stood out to me, just to kind of, I don't know, get our, our brains off on uh, guessing or whatever. Um, the chapter 12 uh, really stood out to me. The self-talk, meditation, and other tools for personal transformation. Um, chapter 36 uh, seer stones and some keys to the celestial glories was one of my favorites. Um, 37, uh, Heavenly Father wants you and your family to heal a journey of generational healing. That's uh, another great one. Wait, Cameron, what chapter was that? The last one you just mentioned? Uh -huh, 37. Okay, so I, far I, I vote it, for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, whatever everybody feels inclined, because, you know, we're all on uh, very similar journeys. And so whatever you guys are experiencing and wanting help with and everything, you know, no need to, to go in, in order of this book. But uh, that one seems to be a, a prominent uh, one amongst a lot of people. Um, I'm just trying to read through all of these. Uh, preparing for personal ascension uh, chapter 16 was a great one it's short though visions of the city of new jerusalem chapter 35 i think that's is, mm -hmm. oh, oh i was just wondering is Alitha is Alitha done with the reading the book she has one more chapter left and i think it's actually 35 the one that i just or said oh I can't okay one of them anyway she's getting really close to to being able to send your book back it, oh, okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, um, I still haven't heard if the second edition has come out. Do yeah, you guys I, have any connection I to that? I checked like three weeks ago, uh, back in with, uh, what's her face? Jennifer. And, um, she said, Who's uh, Jennifer compared to Jennifer cool. Drummy. She's, she's the one like editing uh, and proofreading oh, cool. the text. Um, so yeah, I, anyway, she says it's not any closer than it was. So, oh, <laughs> man. She's, okay. I mean, she always says it's really close. And I'm like, but like, how much further along are you than you were before? Kind of thing. Like, give me some. You'll, she's like, oh, you'll let us know when it. Yeah, I, I keep checking in with her and stuff. Okay. 
I but like I think, the idea of family generational. I feel like a lot of my um, issues to ascend are through family okay. uh, yeah. issues because I actually started that book, The Body Keeps the Score, and uh-huh. I'm really sensitive to, um, I don't know why, because I've never experienced uh, sexual trauma, but when it starts talking about certain things like that, I don't know if you got to the point where the boy and the Catholic kid and he didn't know he was abused until later in life. And I was just like, oh, can't handle this. Like, I forget how horrible people are and they yeah. shouldn't be alive. But <laughs> anyways, um, but that was an interesting book. Another really good one that I actually didn't finish because it started getting too much for my brain at the time. But um, it didn't start with you. Mm, yeah. I should probably finish that one. Did you all have, have you ever read that one? I've got it, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It just basically is that we kind of carry our ancestral baggage mm-hmm. and a lot of like the trauma. So maybe that's where the trauma of me, like getting really sensitive to that stuff is from family. That's yeah. sad to think about, but. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. Like sun servant level, you know, we talk a lot about saving rescuing missions and stuff. And for me, I think there's kind of like this big of, since our, our family balked at it right at the beginning and, and threw us an intervention, I was like, okay, I'm done with the living. I'm just going to work with the dead now. <laughs> it's easier that way. <laughs> but um, a lot with this generational healing has been interesting how necessary it is, like uh, not necessary, how how much on a time crunch we are with our uh, generational healing and like need to get on this because there's a lot of people ready to, to heal, move on and uh, work with it and stuff. Anyway, I, like you said, there's a lot of generational baggage and, and um, like it talks about in four donations a lot, like this stuff actually gets encoded in our DNA and we have to deal with it. We have to confront it and uh, heal it personally. And then, start pushing back through the generations and, and healing it uh, retroactively as well, which is such an interesting principle. But yeah, <laughs> my mom is, has always said that. She's like, I get, she loves family history work, right? She always taught me to love it. And so she's like, I just, I identify more with, with the dead than I do the living. <laughs> it's easier that way. And I find that with generational healing too. Yeah. Um, so let's see. 3637. How are you feeling with like the reading for, for this time with Ephraim Hanks? Was that enough reading? Would do you need more? Do you need less? We could do more. Because I'm thinking like once a month, you know, I mean we eventually want to get through the book, right? Um, like if we, if we did chapters 36 and 37, would that be that too much? Um, so it's about the seer stones and some of the keys to the celestial glories. Like that's like one of my favorite chapters. Um, but doing that one and generational healing, but that might be too much to discuss in one time frame too. Um, yeah, let's, let's just focus on 37. Sorry. Okay. So chapter 37, uh, heavenly father wants you and your family to heal a journey of generational healing. Does that work for everyone? Mm-hmm. And then yep. pulling up the schedule. Could we do that one and then another short one? You'd mentioned there was one that was really short. Uh-huh. Yeah, we could combine that one in. <laughs> I forget which one it was that I had mentioned, but yeah, we could uh, pull that seer stone in with that short one. Um, so does July 16th work for everyone? You know, we had uh, worked on everything third Saturday. Um, but you know, summertime is, is kind of a busy time. Uh, just making sure that that works. Um, July 16th. If it is, then, then we'll go ahead and, and do that one. 10.30 a.m. Uh, July 16th would be our next one. And we will discuss chapter 37 on generational healing. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, there is a possibility because there's some uh, people from our Isaiah book club that are interested 
in joining with us with lectures on faith, but Saturday is the only day that could work for them because of the time difference and everything. So um, anyway, if there's interest or if you have people that might be interested in a Saturday version of our book club, um, we're considering that possibility. I, you know, I, I hate to do it just for two people and have it kind of interrupt our, our forward nations time or I don't know, it'll, it'll cause a little bit of something. <laughs> but anyway, if, if you are interested or know somebody that would be interested in joining us for a Saturday book club discussion um, on lectures on faith, uh, we might be doing that. So um, just let me know, email me or something. Any other comments, questions? Um, this week is, is going to be interesting with our book clubs, uh, doing those two parables from Anthony Sweat, the commoner and the king and uh, the white coat parable. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for our own endowment, but also on this material as well. Um, rescue missions, uh, getting prepared and um, being endowed with that power to, to heal others. And um, also generational stuff, I, I think, plays a lot into it. Uh, it'll be a fun one to, to discuss with everyone um, this next week. It's interesting how those played in so well to um, Lance Richardson's things from, from last week, too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anything else? If not, we'll head out for the day, but it's been fun. <laughs> I always love... Uh, you know, smaller groups discussion on just the wild stuff. I love that you're all open to <laughs> just having a discussion heart to heart on it. All right. Well, we'll see everyone um, sooner or later, <laughs> whichever one you want to join in on. We'll see you. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. My